At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Look at this. Lions fans are tweeting us. The Lions are legit Super Bowl contenders right at you. That's right, baby. One pride. Hashtag one pride. I'm part of it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. What's up? It's Chris Sims Unbuttoned. It's episode 541. Ahmed Farid is here. We are going to do our week six Treasure Hunters What the F Happened podcast here. We got a lot of good stuff to hit. What's up, man? How are you? You doing all right today? Hashtag one pride, man. One pride, baby. I, you know, I feel like... Um, the I, I, the light went on with a lot of people. I feel like the Lions. I've, I've you know watched Monday Night Football. I started to hear comments a little bit like the one I made on Sunday. A little like, hey, I think the Lions are for real, right? Yeah. And I, I think they have gone for a lot of people. The way they look, the way they play, uh, the way their team is built. Where you go, wait, wait, wait. No, this is we're, we're beyond just like sneaking into the playoffs here. Uh, we, we could actually do some damage in the playoffs. And yeah. uh, I think that's what we're starting to filter out here. And, and maybe we'll get into that next week. The teams that look for real, the teams that Ooh. I look at to go, hey, these are teams that I think legitimately can get to the Super Bowl. And these are just le- legitimate playoff teams, yeah. right? You know yeah. how we kind of do that every yep. year? Yeah. I think we're getting towards the time of the year where we might be able to tell a difference there. You know, part of me feels like this should just become a Lions podcast. Nah. It would make me super happy. No. You're falling in love with them. The views are up every time. So we did our podcast Sunday night, right. and on Monday the top comment was like, "Did everyone else just come here for the Lions content?" It was like, "Yeah, a lot of people did." So part of me thinks we just well, go we full will deliver Lions. more Lions we content today. We got Lions defense. We got Eagles and 49ers, The undefeated no more. We'll take a closer look at that. See if there are any hidden nuggets in that film that Chris was grinding over while he was sick too. You're oh, feeling better I, now. I, right? I, I'm, you know, I. I Pretty sure I had food poisoning. Don't, I don't blame this on Sunday night taping again. Because it, it's we, not I do Sunday like night taping. It. It's not. Right. It was one of these weird things on Monday where, like, even Sunday during the taping, I had, like, a weird feeling in my stomach no, all no. Sunday. Yeah. But I felt good in everything else. Like, everything else. I got home. I did the show Monday morning. I got home. I told my wife. I was like, my stomach feels good, but I feel good. Like, I'm yeah, not, yeah. nothing's bothering me, but my stomach feels a little weird. And I ate breakfast after the show. I started to like kind of download film, and I was like, "All right." And all of a sudden, my stomach started making some really weird noises, oh. and I was like, "Wait, I don't know if I feel right." And it just—I had a battle on Monday. Your a bo- battle. Your body rejected the Giants' film. Maybe I, you just—you pulled that up. You're just like, "I can't." Uh, just like, I can't look uh, at this. <laughs> we'll get into that. There's some things to be proud about with my Giants okay, though, in that right. football game. Okay. There were oh, there's some good things there, but yeah, I'm okay. I'm—I'm I'm just like. I feel like I haven't eaten like 
very I've had very little food over the last two days. So that's where I feel weird because now I'm like low on energy yeah. and my stomach doesn't even when like I ate a little this morning, but I can feel that it's not right and I don't want to push it yeah. and try to be like, well, let me finish this, you know, totally five pieces of bacon and the extra toast and bread and jelly. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of just taking it easy on that that department. So doing the pot on a Wednesday on an empty stomach. Oh, yeah. Here, Chris Sims on button. We'll also take a look at the Bengals D specifically the red zone defense there. Um, and what they did against the Seattle Seahawks, who had multiple opportunities down there to go ahead late in the game, could yes. not do it. So let's get it going here. Chris is back healthy-ish as we dig into the film. Chris did that. Still sent 13 pictures, I think, Pete. Was that what it was, 13? I think it was only 11. Oh, 11 pictures this time. Yeah, it was a little disappointing this That was week. the sickness. Yeah, it was. I didn't get really much film done on Monday. Yeah. So it was a, it was a Tuesday grind session, um, so a little light on the, on the film watching. Sorry about that. You did look at how the Jets yeah. beat the Eagles. Now they have been defeated, and the head Headline for this one, Pete wrote in here is Hertz Donut, which is the exact same headline. Look at this guy that the Daily News had on Monday morning. And so, to Pete's credit, he said this Sunday night to us. He, he goes, did. He goes, we could have put this in. Give me the headlines presented by Hyundai, but we wanted to do it at the top of the show. Usually, we do give me the headlines kind of in the middle of the show. So well, we had to it shelve was in, it. It was in Football Night in America. I'm pretty sure for you, one of our graphics. Our package where we broke down. Thanks for watching the show, Ahmed. I watched that. Okay. <laughs> what a jerk you are. He was exposed. I watched most he of it. He didn't watch the show. Yeah, dinner time uh, with the kids. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. No, uh, but yeah, he actually came up with it. Yeah, Sunday afternoon when we were coming up with the package of why the 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 Eagles' offense struggled a little bit and what were the issues, right? Yeah. You know, they were kind of thinking like they like him and Matt Casey. What yeah. Do, you know, what do we call this? What's the thing we put on the top and we you know kind of go to the package, and you know Pete. Pete with his laugh. How about, how about Hearthstone? And, ha! You know, yeah. he's, he's laughing so, out loud. Yeah. Pete, Pete's not appreciating that uh, it wasn't impression. A great, it wasn't yeah. a great. He has a high-pitched laugh. If people could hear Pete's laugh, they would understand that. It wasn't my best impression yeah. there. Yeah, it's lo- it is a louder it's a louder, laugh. It's a jovial man. It's a cackle. He's a, he's it's a, almost it's a like cackle. a the Joker on Batman. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's got a little of that in it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get a recording of Pete laughing. We'll, we'll see we what the should. homies think. We should, and actually. Pete, we'll, see if, we'll see if they can defend you. We'll see what your laugh <laughs> sounds like. A cackle or, or Batman or Joker, none of the above. Um, all right, so yeah, the, the Eagles do go down to the Jets. Multiple things that you found in your notes let's start with this too and the Jets kind of stopping the Eagles running game or the Eagles just not being able to emphasize it enough because you look at weeks one through five yeah for the Eagles and they rushed it 36 times per game averaging 164 yards a game they're like that is their bread and butter week six versus the Jets well what do we have here 22 attempts in that game just 80 yards their yards per rush is down a full yard to just 3.6 yards per rush so Deep diver. Yeah. What did the Jets do, if anything, to stifle the Eagles' running game? Yeah. Well, I, that like to me was the shocker of the game, and I, you know, I feel like even with some of those rush attempts there that we show on this graphic with Week Six and all that, it's a little misleading because a few of those are Jalen Hurts scrambles, right? Mm, yeah. That go on top of that, right? Um, and then even 
a few of those are also the quarterback draw by Jalen Hurts. So, you know, I, I'm all for that. I know we count those as part of the rushing stats and all of that. But to me, the thing that kills football teams more, you know, on a week-to-week basis is the traditional run game. When you're running the ball, giving the ball to the, the running back, that's when defenses start to go, damn, we're having issues here. You know, of course you're worried about a quarterback running. We know that. I get it. But still, that's what opens up so many other things. You know, when you can't stop the traditional running game to a running back, we know play-action pass becomes wide open. You know, screen game on the outside, the edge to the receivers, matchups on the outside start to change because, oh, we start to worry about this. So now it becomes one-on-one football with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. There's a ripple effect to the traditional running game as compared to maybe the quarterback scramble and all that. I was shocked, really, that the Eagles came out with a pass-first mindset mindset, and never really got out of it. And mm. and during the game, I ca- you know, I saw a few plays where they show the whole field and on live I'm going I think they're like kind of loading the box and then dropping out at the last second and kind of doing that type of stuff but the Jets were pretty vanilla Hmm. they weren't they did what they usually do it wasn't like they threw curveballs at Philadelphia it's like Philadelphia came into the game game going no we think we can throw on you we know the two or three coverages you play all game long in pass coverage right you always hear me talk about the Seattle three the cover four that's what they do sauce is not playing sauce isn't playing right and I think they just thought, wait, we'll have our way with them in that department there. And that's just not the case. The Jets, you could say what you want. I think they're a team that wants you to pass the football. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about it. They've struggled stopping the run. They're not necessarily a big defensive line. They're more predicated on speed. And, hey, I mean, Salah's part of the group that invented Seattle 3 in some of these zone coverages where they're masters at passing things off and playing areas and leverages and knowing how to zone off. Oh, there's two receivers here. We got three guys to zone off, and any way you go, we're going to be there to annoy you, right? So they're really good. They want you. They invite you to kind of do that. They want that, and that was the shocker of the football game. At Luke Eagles Fly was as confused as you were watching the film. He goes, they're the best running team in the NFL. They abandoned the run without even trying it. Play calling was horrific all night. Yeah, way to go at Luke Eagles Fly. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, to me, the Eagles are at the best when they show patience with the run game. It does, because what it does, too, is like we talk about the match outside, the play-action pass. It also makes Jalen Hurts' run game more effective, right? Where he can, you know, fake the ball to the running back. We've run it up the middle eight times. Now I keep it around the edge and nobody's there, right? All these things open up for them, let alone um, – it is the strength of their football team. Now, Lane Johnson got hurt, and maybe that was a factor, no doubt mm. about that. Uh, but I don't know if that would matter much in the running game. Yeah. I think it would matter in the pass game, which to me is where it mattered the most. And yet they continued to pass, and the right tackle who replaced Lane Johnson was definitely the weak spot of the offense throughout the day. So let's talk about that front four yeah. for, the, for the Jets, yeah. because that's clearly a strength of their team. Oh, you my know gosh. They, and I almost <laughs> want to call them a front eight. Because it seems like they can just rotate a bunch of other dudes in I there. I think that's a do fair the same thing, thing to say. Exactly right. So what did you see in, in, that, in that battle of, uh, of bigs, basically? The Eagles' offensive line, highly regarded, and the Jets' defensive line. It was like feast or famine, almost, a little bit. It was kind of funny. It was like um, there were some plays where you know the pressure was impressive. The Jets, early on, b- were blitzing in, in obvious passing situations. And... You do that against the Eagles, you you got to be careful because all it just becomes is a one-on-one show outside. And early mm-hmm. on in the football game, and every big third down or every big second and nine, whatever, where you felt like, ooh, maybe the Jets can get them behind the chains here, they would blitz, 
and he just hit a little one-on-one shot to A.J. Brown. He'd be like, well, it's first down. I mean, how, much, how long are we going to keep doing this here? And after the first two drives, they kind of backed off of that. And they kind of just did their usual four-man rushes, and they played their cover three and their Seattle four and some Tampa two every now and then. Um, but, you know, the, like you said, the waves of guys. So it was like there was a lot of plays where you went, Jalen Hurts has all day here. This is actually shocking how long he has to throw the football, right? And then there was other plays where you go, whoa, I've never seen the pocket collapse like this against the Philadelphia Eagles. It doesn't happen very often. And it is because of what you've talked about. It's the depth. It's the talent. You know, I think they were very worried about Quentin Williams on the out, in the inside a lot, so they were trying to keep two people around him for the most part of the day. But Jermaine Johnson – is a budding star as a pass rusher. That's what we got going on right now there on the edge with him. And then, you know, guys like Jonathan Franklin Myers are really good. Strong side defense and stop the run, but they can collapse the pocket as well. But it's the next group that comes in. When they get into the third down and all of a sudden Bryce Huff walks into the football game, number 47, and he's mm-hmm. flying around the edge, he gives you a different look, a different style of rushing the passer, and that's where they're really, really special because they have some versatility and some guys that are just built a little differently to where like a, a offensive tackle is like, wait, this guy's a speed guy, this guy's a power guy, wait, this guy does this, and uh, th- that's where the Jets' defense definitely separates itself a little from the rest of football, or most teams in football, I should say. That game-changing interception, the third of the game for Jalen Hurts, it was Jermaine Johnson that actually went on the inside and got a good rush right up the middle, and, like and, center and, and guard. And kind of spooked them, right? Yeah, they were only rushing for the Jets on that one. I would think, I felt like... And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my eye was wrong. I feel like in the second half, the majority of the game was rushing for. I think they finally realized, wait, we can't leave areas voided downfield. We need the extra defender. I mean, there were still a lot of plays where, you know, wide receivers are wide open in this football game. So I think they realized that rushing for the third interception, you said it right, Jermaine Johnson comes inside. He spooks hurts a little because it looks like, oh, no, he's going to get through. Got a good right? push. He was got still double-teamed. He was. Yeah. He was double-teamed. Exactly right. Got a good push. I think if Hertz could do it over again, he'd go, wait, I'm okay. He's not here. I can stand and step into this throw. But he had had a few moments of people in his face throughout the game, and he kind of faded away, stepped in the bucket, and didn't really get his full authority into the, the throw like you saw, let alone – I'm guessing he just did not see the inside defender, right? To me, I mean, Jalen Hurts sees the field pretty well. Yeah. He takes care of the ball pretty well traditionally throughout his career. I got to think that was one where maybe the inside pass rush move blinded him a little bit to the guy in the middle there. Uh, what, what was his name that intercepted the ball? Uh, 22. I'm, I'm blanking on his damn, oh. damn name. I got it. Adams. Adams. Tony Adams. Tony Adams. You know, that um, – but maybe he just couldn't see him. Uh, Jermaine Johnson – you know, definitely a factor in that interception, definitely a factor in interception number one, where they throw the screen uh, against the blitz. One of the now it's like it's it's it's, you know, still what's the early second quarter. Yeah, they're driving. Right. He throws the screen to Dallas Goddard. Great play call. Hertz puts it right where he needs to. 
but Jermaine Johnson's hustle and recognition and instincts to know, wait, they're throwing the screen. He gets over there, and as Goddard's trying to kind of tuck it away, hits him, ball pops in the air, get, get the interception. They were, of course, big, big moments in the game. Yeah, the first couple interceptions were a little more fluky for Jalen Hurts, the yeah. first one you mentioned right there right. with Goddard. And the second one, too, we have some screenshots of this one oh, where man. his arm got hit, and it could have been, you've identified, a pretty big play. Oh, big play. I mean, the, the game will be, you know, again, I, let me be clear about this, okay? The Eagles are a better football team than the Jets. You know, this is a typical game of opportunities. We were this close to really putting them in a tough spot and having them play a game they didn't want to play against us. And just every time that moment came along, the Jets made a big play. I mean, even with the Dallas Goddard, you know, interception there, you're going, oh, here they go. They're going to march down here again. They're in trouble. And okay, boom, they stop them. And of course, it ends up in a Jets field goal. This one here. Now, this is this is something Philly does. It's the backside cover four beater right so on the front they're playing quarters and because A.J. Brown is running an in cut in front of Whitehead number three he's kind of responsible for that area so he has to kind of sit on it and A.J. Brown is right in front of his face and in quarters that's his rule and Whitehead isn't wrong here and as you see you know Hertz didn't have horrible uh, pressure here on this one. He's we're down the field. Devonte Smith's going to pop open. He wants to hit Devonte Smith on like the fifteen, uh, right below the zero on the twenty. Basically, yep. he's going to hit him right there, and it's either going to be a touchdown or he's down to like the two or three yard line. But that's where uh, that was a Bryce Huff coming around the edge, right? And he hits him as he's thrown it. Was so. that that yeah. was Bryce Huff, right? I'm I'm pretty sure it was him or Johnson, who we've given a lot of uh, love to. That was the Bryce Already. Huff play. I'm pretty yeah. sure he hits Jalen Hurts' arm. Ball pops in the air. Interception, of course, in another big moment where you feel like, yeah, they're on the verge of being in field goal territory and uh, making something happen there. No, that was Johnson too. I'm wrong. That was Johnson. That was Johnson. That was too. Johnson. Yeah, that was. I think Even I got more that right. credit to number eleven yes. for the for the Jets. Um, let's do one more pass then here too, because yeah. there was another play that and, and you you mentioned it. If you're going to the Jets and you're going to beat the Eagles, you need some of these plays to go your way. A ball to bounce off of Dallas Goddard, Jalen hurts his arm to get hit there when there's a guy wide open, and right. then at the end of the game, once the Eagles are down, yeah. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles had tried to make one last-ditch effort, and we have some screenshots of a play where it looks like maybe Devontae Smith is open down the sideline here, Chris. Oh, um, I, I mean, he's going to run a post route here. I think you they're know, down here. There's a minute 21 left on the clock. Very fourth, top, this is the fourth down this play. This is the fourth down play, right? And, I mean, he's got a chance here. He really does. He's a little late to recognize it. You wouldn't. You don't necessarily look for – this route against this coverage, okay? okay? They're kind of playing cover three where the quarterback's pre-snap thoughts aren't, I'm going to have a post against cover three, right? Because the safety's deep in the middle. I, I shouldn't be able to throw that. Yep. But they're cognizant of A.J. Brown, who's running on this. You could see him coming out on the hash on the 41-yard line. He ran like a fake crosser and then came back out. And Whitehead kind of saw him crossing and I think was a little bit like, well, it's A.J. Brown. I better watch out. They might throw to him there. And now you could see the time Jalen Hurts has here, but he doesn't recognize it until really Devontae Smith is a little too far down Mm. the field. 
And as you can see here, now he's far down the field. Hurts didn't throw his best ball. You could see on film it was a little bit of a wobbler, right? Sure. And it didn't fly through the air quite the way he wanted because you can see here, Devontae Smith, he's got him beat. But the ball hangs in the air, and Whitehead almost makes the interception, and that was that. But a uh, certainly a big moment in the football game. And, there, I mean, there was a lot of big moments in this game where you felt like, wow, the Eagles are about to control the game and put the Jets and Zach Wilson in a we-have-to-pass-the-ball-every-play type of mode, which we, we know was not good and not what the Jets want to do. You know, Even the first drive of the third quarter, let me just hit on this real sure. quick. There's a, there's, Hertz does a great job. He's got a lot of time. Nobody's really open at first. He steps up in the pocket like he's no, oh, now he looks like I might run. He's attacking the line of scrimmage. He got Devontae Smith wide open over the middle. He throws a beautiful ball. Devontae Smith's hands are in the perfect spot. You know, you don't know. It's one of those where I feel like he thought, man, there's a lot of room. I can't wait to catch this because I might go score here, mm-hmm. right? It's another one where I'd go, if he catches it, it's a touchdown or he's going to be tackled inside the five-yard line. It's going to be first and goal. Instead, they miss the ball. Okay, he drops the ball. And the next play ends up being a sack. And now it became third and 23. And there they were again on the verge of field goal range, let alone on the verge of maybe we have a touchdown to wait. Now we're punting the ball away and we got nothing here. Mm -hmm. The game was full full of that. Uh, But I got to give the Jets credit. Their playmakers made plays at the right time. Yeah. And that's why they've paid and drafted some of these guys so highly. And, uh, and, and their hustle and their motor and their all gas, no brakes factor, uh, you, you could see that they, they believe in that. And they, they play hard and they fly around the football field. What do you think of the way overall that Jalen Hurts plays in the pocket? Because you notice some, some things on that. Yeah, I mean. His I, strength in the pocket. He, it's, it's, he, he's phenomenal in the pocket. You know, he's phenomenal at feeling pressure. He's phenomenal at, for the most part, not leaving the pocket too quickly. Right? He hangs in there. He waits for people to get open. I really respect him there. But Hertz is like his strength. I mean, the first third down of the game, he scrambles out to the right. I can't remember the DB that's on him, but he grabs the DB by the shoulder as he's running. And A.J. Brown is running a crossing route. And as he's holding him, stiff-arming the guy, he just throws the ball to A.J. Brown and places it perfectly. His strength to get out of, you know, harm's way or get out of like you're like, oh, man, they're about to sack him. He's, he's going down here. What? He's out of it? How the hell did he it, It's It's remarkable, right? And there are times where I look at it and go, get out. Get out of the pocket. Run. You're good at running. You don't need to stand here this long. But he is a magician, and, of course, his lower body strength really pops up in those, in those, uh, in those situations. They might have the strongest quarterback-wide receiver combination in the entire NFL. Oh, I, I mean, they got the strongest team in football, yeah. period. But you're <laughs> yeah. right. The quarterback and A.J. Brown put them over the edge. You're right, because yes. A.J. Brown, it's the same thing, right? I, I, I think I wrote in my notes at one point. I mean, is he just, first off, it's the strongest hands you've ever seen. Like, on that play we're even talking about, he's got a guy draped on him as he's going out of the sidelines. He's just like, oh, and he grabs it in. I've never seen a guy that, yes, with people around him, not only is so fearless, but can just rip the ball out of the air. And then when it comes to tackling him, for a wide receiver – 
you know, he's just he breaks more arm tackles and shoulder tackles, and if you don't square him up like a good running back, you're not going to bring him down. And that's where he's special too. There's no doubt about it. I'm glad you brought me there because I yeah. was gonna I was gonna forget about that. Peter suggested maybe a new Super Brawl. We used to do the quarterback and the head coach. Maybe we do a quarterback and a wide receiver. Oh well, this they they would be at the top. They would. I don't know. They'd if, be number one. Right? I'm pretty I can't sure. Think of one. I can't because Josh Allen, of course, is the only guy that I feel like can maybe match the strength of Hertz with like getting out of like whoa how did he break this tackle and do that type of stuff in the pocket but Stefan Diggs is not A.J. Brown, and that's no disrespect to Stefan Diggs. I wouldn't want to mess with him, right? Yeah. But I just A.J. Brown is a beast. When you see A.J. Brown in person, you're like, mm. damn, is that a is that a receiver or is that kind of like a linebacker in the sure. NFL? That, yeah, that's yeah. kind of how he's built. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, of course, such a physically imposing, impressive football team. Lane Johnson not being there. Yeah, so let's get into that yeah. real quick. Yeah. Uh, by the way. Pete suggested maybe Gino and DK Metcalf could compete for the number one spot. They, yeah, it's, they'd, it's, they'd, they'd, they'd give a tussle. That's probably for sure. a contest for number two, though. Uh, Steve TSRA says, as soon as Lane Johnson went out, it was over. They went from being methodical to not being able to stop pressure for even a second. They're in huge trouble if he is out for an extended period of time. So he left nine second or nine snaps into the game. Per PFF, his backup, right tackle Jack Driscoll, allowed a sack, a quarterback hit, and six hurries. They're not going to be in huge trouble, but they'll, they'll have to adjust a little bit. You know, they did nothing to help their right tackle here who came in to replace Lane Johnson either, right? And then I think when you couple that on top of, you know, the no run game and that, it, it kind of made things life harder on him as well. You yeah. know, he's having to pass protect really just about, you know, two out of every three plays throughout the football game. And like I said, that's, that's what the Jets want, and they got some special edge rushers that way. Uh, yeah, so we'll see where that goes. But I don't think that's one to me that I look at and go like, oh, man, they're in trouble. Of course they're better with Lane Johnson. I know that. But they'll have to figure out a few ways in pass protection to get really good pass rushers to protect them a little bit. And I think stay patient with the run and find a few other, hey, screen passes, whatever else, to slow people down on that side. But they'll be okay. You know, the, here's the thing. The game wasn't over, right? That's a, the, Because it, Steve, that was Steve TSRA, right? Yep, Steve Which, TSRA. You sound like you're um, in airport security or something there. <laughs> yeah, but, maybe he is. But, but, but – um, Nothing was easy for the Eagles. That's where I don't. So even though they missed opportunities, right? I mean, it had the feel of like, man, this is work, right? This is work even when Lane Johnson was in there. I mean, the 17-play drive to start the game, 91 yards. I mean, nothing was easy on that drive, right? So they executed their gutsy and physical, the Eagles, and they hung in there. But you didn't feel like as you were watching the game and it was – they scored 14 points early on where you went, oh, they cracked the code. The Jets are in deep trouble. Now, everything was a struggle for, for the Eagles on the offensive side of the ball for the most part of the day. Everything has been a struggle a little bit I for the agree. Eagles all season long, right? I'm looking, not, not many blowouts, right? Patriots, they win by five. Vikings, they win by six. Um, they don't have the same creative offense. It's not as creative as it last year. Last year, I came away with games going, you can't be right against the Eagles. You do this, they got that. You do that, they got this. Oh, you change it up and do this? Well, oh, nope, that, they figured it out after you did it to them once or twice, and now they got this to screw you over. They have answers and a zig for every zag or whatever you want to say, and I don't notice those same answers 
quite to the same extent. Now, again, I think they're finding their way with the new offensive coordinator. And like I always say, it's not easy to replace really great coaches. It's kind of like it kind of just kind of gets washed away with the public and the sports fans and even the sports media with yeah. that a little bit. Like, ah, oh, they're still good. They'll be good. No, no, the coaching's big in football. Yeah. And just those, you know, two or three wrinkles or the message you give your team throughout the week and all of that can be make one offense look like, hey, we're the best offense in football, and, and oh, no, we're the 10th best offense in football. I mean, it's just it's a few things that make a difference, and I do think they miss Shane Steichen. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about that's, that. That's a good point. We often talk about the boost that these coaches give other teams, like uh, the Colts having Shane Steichen will be huge for them, but the Eagles will miss nothing. They will replace him with someone else, and it will be the same. Well, and we kind of <laughs> hit, exactly. It's yeah. just not that easy. It's yeah. not. And, and then, you, you know, we talked about it last week a little bit with their defense. I think it's the same thing. You know, their defense, of course, we know it's really good. I don't think it's quite as good or as squashing of offenses as it was last year. I still think, you know, they're finding their way under their new D coordinator on that side. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Gannon, you know, he's he's pretty smart guy. He did a lot of different things on the defensive side of the ball that gave teams problems. You know, right now I would say they're a hair vanilla on that side as well where they could spice it up just a little. You know, we talked about last week, like the five-man blitzes and some of that. I just don't think that's necessary, right? The little too much man-to-man. Remember that on that side of the ball? Yeah. We were talking about the Rams game and all of that. I don't think it's necessary either. I think they're a team that could rush for every play, and you just give the illusion of, hey, we might blitz over here, we might blitz over there, right? And then you drop out. It'll give their front four enough of an advantage in that alone to where um, – you know th- that'll be all the advantage they need to get after the quarterback. But oh, yeah. yeah, Jets were Jets were damn good. C.J. Mosley strip before the half. What a big moment right there! Again, another moment where you're going. They're going to go in seventeen to six. They might go in twenty-one to six. He strips them, and now seventeen to six or twenty-one to six becomes fourteen to nine at halftime. Yeah. And th- the other part of this is we got to give the Jets offense a little credit. They didn't make any big mistakes, and. They stayed on the field just enough and moved the ball just enough. Field position and time of possession were a factor in the game that kept the Jets' defense fresh. And, you know, there was a lot of times where the Eagles had to start deep in their own territory, and that was because at least the Jets' offense and Zach Wilson, everybody got a first down, two, three first downs to at least flip the field position to where Jalen Hurts and company weren't starting, you know, at the 45-yard line going in. They didn't blow it for him is what uh, you're mentioning here. And, yeah, the defense is the story, though, for the Jets. It's funny. You mentioned all those different names of players that made highly impactful plays. I don't think we even mentioned Quincy Williams, who made some huge plays down by the goal line. We've mentioned him in the past. Yeah. They just have so many guys that have that potential to make a game-changing play. They, they really do. Uh, and thank you for leading, leading me there, too. Because, to me, the stars of the game were 56 and 11. Quincy Williams is one of the best middle linebackers in football. Them signing him early to a contract extension was brilliant. Because I think, and Pete, maybe you could look this up with Quincy Williams. I think they signed him to like a three-year, $18 million deal well, didn't, in the offseason. Didn't Urban Meyer just cut him? Did he was he uh was he a jag? He might have been before that. He might have been. I don't even I don't remember exactly where he came from before that, but he is perfect for them and they got him for the low cuz I think they recognize what he could be. Yep. Yeah. Ja- third third round pick, pick by right. the dra- Jaguars. Yeah, I think Urban Meyer was just like we can't use a guy like this. Well, 3 years 18 million. So, uh, th- I remember cuz last year he popped a little bit where I was like, "Man, who the hell is this guy?" 
You know, and, and not he's not it for everybody because he's a smaller guy, right? So teams that believe in a bigger middle linebacker, which Jacksonville does now, and, and I think when Urban Meyer was there, that hasn't changed. He wasn't yeah. their cup of tea, but uh, damn, is he a, a good football player. Expectations matter. What do you expect from an SUV? Versatility? A range of sizes built to fit your life? A range of exteriors that all invite stairs? Or being able to take control of more than just the wheel. Expectations matter, but exceeding them matters more. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jets get to celebrate their victory on a bye week, so that'll be fun for them. It is Eagles against the Dolphins. Sunday night football coming up. The Dolphins today open Jalen Ramsey's 21-day practice wow, window to return awesome. from IR. Uh, so that would be good. Maybe come back uh, less than a month from now. The Eagles gauntlet starts now. So we have the schedule. Here we go. Dolphins at Commanders. That won't be easy. Cowboys no, bye. That'll be fine. At Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, at Cowboys, at Seahawks. Wow. That's, that's legit. It's legit. You know, it, it was something we talked about, you know, when we do our little schedule and talk about, you know, how teams will start off and all that. They were, I, I think we thought, you know, at the time, man, they, they can easily go 6-0, and and then things start to get real. Uh, they went 5-1. and uh, They're probably disappointed with that loss. But, yeah, now they're going to be truly challenged. And I will say, yeah, with the way they've played through the first six weeks, we know they're still damn good, um, but but they're there to be had a little bit. They are. It's not like last year where I felt like, oh, it doesn't even matter who the fuck's on that schedule. <laughs> they're all in trouble, right? Yeah. Uh, this year, you, like, you, like you brought up, we, we see some cracks in the armor there a little bit to where you go, hey, they play a little off and one team plays really good. They can be beat, uh, that's for sure. They are not a slam dunk to get the number one seed in the NFC. DraftKings has the odds for both the AFC and NFC, and we highlight our two teams that we will see on NBC primetime Sunday night, the Dolphins. Dolphins plus 250 right now to get the one seed in the AFC that is behind the Chiefs and only the Chiefs. They're the favorite. Uh, The Eagles right now the third choice behind the odds-on favorite 49ers. Then my Detroit Lions second choice. That's really very interesting. And then the Eagles third choice. My Lions have a better chance, according to DraftKings, to get the number one seed than the Eagles. Well, I'm I'm impressed, you know, and and yes, it's DraftKings, but it's obviously the money that's behind it that's driving that right there. And we know that your Lions fans are a little psycho, maybe a little rambunctious. (laughs) just with the cash to to DraftKings right now. Division's easier. uh, Schedule's easier for the Lions for sure. Yes. Um, So I think all that probably gives them at least that little boost. It's not 
like they're favored by a whole lot no, more. No, no. 300 it's, it's, to 330. Right, so. exactly right. It, and listen, if you made me pick right now, I'd still ride with the Eagles there yeah. slightly. But not over the 49ers probably. No, I'm, I'm not. Or would you? No, I'm going to leave the 49ers as number one as well. Okay. I, there was, you know, and we'll break that down in a minute. But, yeah, I still look at the 49ers as the number one team okay. in the NFC. I do. But I think that they're clearly the top three teams right now. I do think that for sure. And uh, I know we're going to bust into the, the 49ers game here in a minute. But, yeah, the NFC, I really look at it as those top three teams with the Cowboys, you know, right on the fringe there. And then on the AFC with the Chiefs, Dolphins, Bills, Ravens, Browns, Jaguars, Bengals, all mm-hmm. that. I mean, I think that is totally up for grabs. Mm. I do. And the way it's looked to this point, I, you know, I don't know. There's a part of me that feels a little more comfortable. I know it's the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and all that. But if you ask me to lay down money on anybody right now, I, I think I'd ride with the Dolphins. Wow. I okay. think I would. I, did, I think I would go there, yes. Might have said the Bills and before they're – Last couple Last of games, two games right? there's yeah, like three yeah. dominant performances in a row. and then mm-hmm. Exactly right. And here we are back to like the questions we had before the offseason in week one here. So the AFC is really interesting, too, because then you got teams like the Jaguars and the Bengals who are a little farther down the list where I go, eh, they're down the list, but those they can win the Super Bowl, those teams. Like, yeah. So that's where you can find some value bets, I think, in the AFC for sure. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. You can download the app and use the promo code UNBUTTONED when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. That's the best Damn, one yet. That was good. Beat we it. didn't even like use a, any sign language there. We just no. knew it was coming right there. If you're watching, you can go back and look. We weren't even looking at each other. No, we, we just, weren't. We just, knew we, we just knew it. The cadence of the pro. It's almost like we had a script. Yeah, Pete, you're right. <laughs> you're right on that. All right, so that is the Eagles. You mentioned the 49ers, though. Still your pick to be the number one seed, but they will not go undefeated. They lost for the first time as well to the Cleveland Browns. That defense for the Browns stifled. Kyle Shanahan and that 49ers offense. Before we get into your comments, let's yeah. hear from your good friend. Oh, because your good friend was I asked like post game what what happened. What what's so good about that Browns defense? And this is what he had to say. Um, I mean the talent with scheme. I mean they got two corners. They got really good. They actually got three. They got good pass rush. Really good pass rushers, and and it's a really good scheme. Dallas has talent too. You guys scored forty-two on them. What's, why, why does this team have more success? I just told you other parts. What did he say? We don't compare one week to a team last week. Each Sunday is a different game. Oh. He goes, I just told you the other parts. Yeah. I just told you the other parts. Well, Dallas defense is good. Um, It is. Yeah, I I don't want to, like, it's not Cleveland's from the standpoint of Cleveland's corners, like he just said. You've heard me talk about this through the first four weeks of the year. I mean, Denzel Ward and Newsom are arguably they're up there with any duo in football at corner. They are phenomenal. Like phenomenal. Right? And then uh, the other guy he's talking about is 23, Emerson. Mm. He's a fucking player too. He's he's a bigger type of corner. But yeah, you look at that and then you couple where they're different from Dallas is they have a little more meat in the middle. Dalvin Tomlinson is still a force to be reckoned with. You know, Elliott's playing better on the inside. Uh, the, the draft pick from Missouri from a few years ago. 
Okay? And then, yeah, like you talk about the two edge guys are beasts. I mean, they're beasts. Zadarius Smith is a beast still. He might not be the top-tier pass rusher, but play in the run and and collapse in the pocket. And then, I mean, come on, Miles Garrett? I mean, Miles Garrett is definitely one of the five best defensive players in football. And then you add on top of that their linebackers, which are kind of damn good, and you put in JOK, okay? J- J- uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He is fucking everywhere. Like a Quincy Williams, like we just talked about a minute ago, he's even more everywhere than Quincy Williams. I mean, he is a great player. So, you know, that Dallas defense is really good. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's as good as Cleveland. I think Cleveland's better top to bottom. Number one right now, your, your Cleveland Browns defense number is number one, one in the NFL, I don't, And think. I don't think I'm breaking. Like, you know, Cleveland's Statistically, doing, they're number one, I think. Cleveland, they are statistically. And through five games, they've let up the least amount of yards out of, since any defense in the history of the NFL. NFL since 1971. Which is crazy when you think about it because yards are plentiful now and it's like teams are throwing the ball way more than they used Should to. Teams get cheap yards even when you go, man, this team dominated the game. They get the last two drives of the game and you play prevent and you go, whoa, their stats didn't look that bad. And you're like, actually, they sucked all game and this team played prevent. Yeah. Like they're not even giving up that type of stuff, right? So that's, that's where. And I think their scheme is a little more complex than Dallas's. Mm. Dallas tries to confuse you with people at the line of scrimmage. And try to, like, as we always talk about, controlled chaos. Yeah. Cleveland's not quite like that. Cleveland's got a little bit more versatility in their scheme. Dallas wants to put people at the line of scrimmage, play man, kind of confuse you with who's blitzing, who's dropping in there, who's playing man-to-man, and kind of do it that way. Cleveland is fine with, like, uh, like well, you can kind of see it's man, and I don't know exactly what these linebackers are doing, but it's a four-man rush, and they can still get after you and kick your butt that way. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper into yeah. that, exactly what they did, because yeah. now Kyle Shanahan is 1-9 and nine as a play caller. That's amazing. Back to his offensive coordinating days versus Jim Schwartz defenses. Um, so is there something to this? What what exactly did you, you mentioned they did it a little differently than the Dallas Cowboys. And, and there are some people that said, you know, we talked about the, the 49ers and they have injuries. Of course, Trent Williams was up and down. McCaffrey was out for most of the game. Debo was out. And so and the, and the Browns had injuries, too. It's just like Deshaun Watson was out. Nick Chubb was out. It's like offensive line injuries. Uh, Batonio, I think, yeah, was out. Right. Conklin's been out for a while. Um, so but on the defensive side. For Cleveland, they were pretty healthy, yeah. and they showed it. Yeah. And they gave a whole lot of problems to the 49ers. What exactly did they do here? Well, I, I think the, the big thing is, one, their speed, right? And their speed, they're, they're, they're one of the fastest defenses in football, if not the fastest, okay? Then you get into um, the, you know, their adjustments at the line of scrimmage, right? I, I think I wrote at one point the communica- communication they were doing. You know, because the 49ers with their shifts and their motions and all that, they weren't just going to let the 49ers like, oh, you're going to shift us in motion and get into a position where now our defense is kind of outnumbered and you're going to go to this list of plays here and we stayed in the same defense because, you know, of what you saw before the shift in motion and now you're just going to fuck us over with Shanahan specials. That's what Shanahan does. So they were like, no, no, no. When they shift in motion, we got to start thinking of like they go to a different group of plays here now that they're in this formation. So we got to make sure we worry about like the Rolodex of things that I taught you throughout the week that they're going to go to these plays. 
plays now. So they had to communicate and kind of adjust the front and kick over the linebackers. And you're seeing corners talk to the safeties and all of that. I mean, that was like off the charts good. Like to the point where you were like, can they really keep this up all game? Like talking like this? I mean, it really was. You were seeing guys moving and you're seeing everybody point and talk and move. And, and the linebackers hitting the defensive tackle's ass to move over, you know, a spot or whatever. I mean, so obviously Schwartz has a good feel for what Shanahan wanted to do according to formations. I think that's the big thing. Then the second thing he did, did a little bit, you can't play the 49ers straight up. You, you can't. If you just play, oh, we're going to play this gap and I'm going to play that gap, Shanahan's going to gash you in the run game. So they did a little bit of like what we talk about with Dallas of the controlled chaos. We're going to stunt people and move people. And so you're not going to be able this ain't the chalkboard where you're going to be able to teach your offense like, hey, if we block this guy and then we're going to double this guy and go up to that guy. Like, no, we're going to have guys moving all over the place to where when you try to block double team this guy and go up to the linebacker, we're, they're not going to be there. or We're going to shoot somebody there to mess up your double team or whatever it is. So there's that. That. Then I think the other thing they did, too, is take away the middle of the field. You've heard me talk about that since you and me have been friends here on this podcast, right? If you're going to play Shanahan, right, you've got to take away the, the, the passes over the middle of the field. He kills people that way. And they loaded the middle of the field throughout the day to basically, like, you're not going to play action pass and boom, Debo down the middle. Play action pass, Kittle down the middle. That wasn't going to happen against them. So they played areas as well. And that, of course, that luxury is afforded because of the two damn corners on the outside mm. where they could go, hey, that's fine. We'll match up. And that's where they're really good. Like, before Debo got hurt, right, they were going – let me see if I got this right. They were going Denzel on Ayuk. They were going – I thought this was interesting – Newsom on Jennings. And then they went with the bigger Emerson 23 on Debo, probably because of his physicality, and they felt like, hey, Debo, it's not about long speed, right? We don't see Debo go for 60-yard bombs just running right. by people, right? It's more about he catches it, and you got to tackle him because he's like a running back, and a lot of DBs like fall off him, like we talked about actually with A.J. Brown. It's kind of the same thing in, yeah. in a lot of ways. So they put the bigger guy on him. But, yeah, their ability to do that I think is really, really impressive. So they were very aggressive in their, their play calls against the run. They wanted to stop the 49ers' run. Were they at all scared about the 49ers slicing and dicing them up in the past? I, it, they played a game in which they, were, they basically said, you're not going to run the ball, and if Brock Purdy and you, you think your pass game can beat us today, then you go ahead and do that, right? They, they dared the 49ers to throw the ball and Brock Purdy them to beat them, right? And they weren't going to let, like you heard me say, even on Sunday night, the Shanahan specials beat them. Right. The first drive or two, some of the Shanahan specials were there. But, you know, the defense settles in. Okay, they like to do this and that and that. And then they made, game, they made the game, yeah, they made the game about Brock Purdy throwing the football on a day where it was windy and a little rainy, and he certainly was not on his game. It was the worst game of Brock Purdy's career. I don't think I'm breaking news in that department. Um, but, yeah, that's where the game swayed. They made it for the first time in Brock Purdy's career where they said, no, Shanahan's not going to be able to deliver you screens and all of this and your play-action passes where people are wide open down the middle of the field and you're sitting there pretty with a, a crosser to Brandon Ayuk and there's nobody within 15 yards of him. None of that was going to go on. They made it about, like you've heard me say, 
say before. Throw the ball outside the numbers. Throw the ball down the field a little bit. That's what right. we'll give you. And let's see if he can hit those. And, of course, he was not on his game in that department. So let's dig into that just a, a little bit here because the question from not Bucky Cox is, did the 49ers get screwed or screw themselves more in that game? Hard to tell. And you clearly want to give a whole lot of credit to the, the Browns, the they got some tough guys, breaks the talent too, they have yeah. there. But there were some plays on the field that Definitely. were just missed Definitely. Uh, by Brock Purdy and this offense in yes. general. So yards left on the field. We've got a couple screenshots here. Maybe oh, Pete, cool. we can go back-to-back on both these plays. Uh, this is the Ayuk 33-yard reception, which could have been even more. This is and, – you know, and again – it, it, you know how this is. It's the NFL. Like, if you don't take advantage of some of your chances every now and then, you know, it, it's, yeah, here's a chance where you should get seven points. Okay, they run a bootleg, and some of the misdirection stuff was working really good for them early on. Some of the bootlegs, the reverses, because they were taking advantage of the aggressive Browns defense here, right? But look at this. I mean, he's on the right hash. He's past the right hash. The guy defending him is still a yard on the left of the left hash. Yeah. So he's got, what do you think that is in separation there? 10 yards, 12 yards? Oh, maybe almost. Yeah. yeah, right? Around that area. Now, Brock Purdy, who had missed a few throws up to this point, I think he's a little bit careful of where he's throwing it. And he throws kind of a soft floater. Okay, and because of that, it kind of dies out. And Ayuk has to kind of come back to it and stop to catch it where if he just drove the ball right into his chest, he's going to catch it running. And if you made me bet money, he's going to score a touchdown, if not get down to the two or three, right? And instead, it gave, it gave Emerson, 23, the chance to get back into the play and at least cut him off around the 40-yard line and made Ayuk then cut back. And, of course, then the, the rest of the troops got there to make the tackle. Yeah. But that was certainly a big opportunity missed there by, by Purdy and the 49ers. You do wonder how much the wet conditions, the weather, cool temps there in Cleveland were having an effect on Brock Purdy at the combine his hands measured nine and a quarter inches which was in the 24th percentile for quarterback hands they say uh, football is a game of inches I mean, sometimes quarter inches. <laughs> well, exactly for right. There was another play uh, on a screen, third and 15. And so this is multiple indications that Purdy was not comfortable uh, throwing the football on this day. Pete, do we have the, the third and 15? Oh, 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 sorry. It's, it's coming. Was, right. But either way, but that was a big play, too. But, so, but, but this is another moment where three points are left on the board at least, maybe more, right? Here's a third down where they're, the ball is, what, on the 40-yard line, maybe the 38 here, yeah, the somewhere Browns, in there? Yeah, the Browns 38 or so, and it looks like the screen is developing here out to the left. The entire like four offensive linemen are there to block three Three guys, Browns. right? I mean, he's got a wall in front of him. And, and it's a this is a play call, call on a third and long where Shanahan's just calling this. I believe it was third and long, right? I know I watched a lot of football yesterday. Third and 15. Yeah, where he just wants to get an easier field goal kick for for Jake Moody, right? And and by all looks here, he's definitely going to get 8 to 10 yards, right? I think probably at worst is going to get 8 to 10 yards and set them up for a pretty field goal, let alone it might be a whole lot more than that. But then that what what's that end up being? It ends up it ends up Purdy throwing a with ball, right? And because of he, he it's it's like you talked about. One the, the hands are small. Mm-hmm. I do think it was a you know, a windy, and it was wet at certain parts of the game. And then his motion is not conducive to throwing a wet ball, 
right? His motion is a little bit like, remember how we used to talk about Justin Fields coming out in the draft? It's yeah. very elbowy first, sure. which means it's a lot of whip and torque on the ball. He goes elbow up, and then the arm comes up. And that, think about that. That's a pretty big jerk of the football, right? Yeah. And if it's a little wet or whatever, it's going to squirt out of your hand. And that's what happened there. And mm. that, again, was another big moment where not only were they maybe been able to, even if they didn't do anything, it was just an incompletion, they might have been able to go, hey, let's try to kick a long field goal. They end up punting the ball, right? There was two moments like that in the football game. After... Um, the, even the one of the early drives in the football game, P.J. Walker threw an interception. The 49ers had the ball on like the 35, first and 10, going in, 36. They end up losing, you know, they end up losing a bunch of yards. And then the, and Moody has to kick the 50-something yard field goal and misses it. So those are big moments in the game where we just we just talked about three moments where I go, that's nine points at least. It's nine points at least. And they left out there on the field in a day again where they were like, you know, close a bunch of times to going, hey, Browns, you're in trouble with P.J. Walker. We're up by two scores or three scores, sure. and now you got to throw every play. And they could never quite get them to that moment, and that was because of their mistakes and that Browns defense. It's like an NBA team where pe- people go – you know, nobody shoots good against this team, right? And yeah. you're like, why? I mean, there's people look like, but but sometimes when you're, and I'll try to paint a picture for people. You could watch film all week and go, damn, it looks like we got some places to throw the ball. We should be able to do this. You get on the field on Sunday and you go, whoa, these dudes are a little faster and bigger than I thought on film. Shit, whoa, what windows are closing in a hurry? Damn, the pocket is getting closed in a hurry. People are around me and. The windows down the field are like, whoa. And you, so the film doesn't always do justice. And I think some of that happened in this game, too, for Birdie, where he was like, oh, he was just uncomfortable by the aggression and the speed yeah. of the Browns' defense. Oh, Greg 001 is thinking the same thing. He goes, damn, okay, Delvin Tomlinson. He was the reason that Purdy was so inaccurate today. I think Purdy's performance will look more understandable on tape when you see a 325 pound man in his face every play. Hey, he's a player. He really is. Dalvin Tomlinson is, you know, an unsung hero. And, you know, it, it's funny because they got Dalvin. They wanted Javon Hargrave. You remember mm. that back in free yeah, agency? Yeah, yeah, They were – it was the Niners and the Browns going after Javon Hargrave. The Niners outbid them, and that's where the Browns went, oh, shit, let's give Dalvin Tomlinson a bunch of money. He's the second guy on our list, and he's perfect for their defense because he's – he, he can two-gap, he can go into the single gap, but he's a, a load to move in the running game, yeah. and he can push the pocket in the pass game and make the quarterback feel like you can't throw, you know, step into passes. You know who has to deal with him this week? Who's that? Gardner Minshew. Yikes. Browns go to Indianapolis. Do they stand a chance, that Colts offense against this defense? Well, the, um, you know, Shane Steichen's smart here. Yeah, that's true. The Colts, you know, have shown the ability to run the ball here and there. But, I, you know, I would, I would say no. If the Browns play their type of football, you know, the big thing for the Browns is really not the defense. It's like can the offense just help out the defense enough, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what I worry about. Like, help we, out my, maybe even just like longer drives. That's not what even I mean. Scoring exactly points. right. That's, that's what I mean, you know, right? We were texting this weekend and we were talking about what defense was it, and I was like, well, it's not helping their offense doesn't, you know, ever stay on the field, so they yep. get worn out. And, yep. and that, of course, is a big part of this all the way here. Now, they have a run game that they should be able to rely on no matter what to at least chew up some clock, but they obviously need better 
better play from their quarterback uh, and their passing game to, to sustain this. And we'll see where Deshaun Watson is um, yeah. because, like you, I didn't think they had any chance without Deshaun Watson beating the 49ers. 49ers have some injuries as well. Maybe they'll uh, get healthy. They have an extra day. Monday night football, 49ers at the Vikings. So it seems like Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel actually have a chance to maybe play. Yes, it does seem like they got a they chance to play. Not, but I know. Kyle's not ruling it out. No, no. And those are two, you know, they're Shanahan guys. They're psychos. They're going to push the limit of we're going to try to play, both of them. Uh, and, and that's why they, they fit that culture there so well. But yeah. we'll see. And, and, of course, we know when they're on the field together, those two specifically, that's when that offense becomes a real pain in the ass. It, it is a difference, you know, for them. And that was, of course, the thing that hurt the 49ers as well. We can't, you know, Debo not being in there, I'm sure took away about 20 plays out of the playbook for Shanahan. Yeah. Where he went, damn, I, this, I don't want to run this anymore. And him not in there, right? Trent Williams missing a few series at left tackle was an issue. Uh, so they definitely had some injuries that played a part in this. You know, I think we hit it all. We did, I'm not sure. You think we got, we got it. it all? No, we got it. The one thing I'll say, too, last thing here. Um, I think I think that the you know the Browns too early on playing man and then kind of backed off it a little bit and played zones and they're just so well coached with they know where their leverage is they know how to play leverage they know where their help is yeah. so they don't over like they don't take the cheese right you know they're not like Oh, oh, wait, my guy kind of ran inside. I need to follow him inside. They're smart and go, wait, wait, no. Coach told me all week there's somebody in there. I don't need to go in there. I need to just sit back now and, and wait for somebody to come to my area. They're really good at all that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, stop the run, stop the quick play action pass, I felt like was the whole Browns game plan. And, of course, it worked out in a big way. And, ladies and gentlemen, that was one more thing, bordering <laughs> on two more things, brought to you by Colombo, streaming exclusively Damn. on Peacock. Damn, and maybe three more things, because Schwartz had a great feel for Shanahan's pass protections. That's the other thing I'll say, okay. too. He knew which – they're a slide protection team. He had a good feel for which way they slide on certain formations. And then he'd send somebody off the opposite edge. So you want to slide. We want to slide this way maybe to get some extra people towards Miles Garrett and Dalvin Tomlinson, right? And then all of a sudden he'd bring jo- J- Jeremiah Usakoromoa off the weak side there, and he was unblocked. And he came through unblocked maybe two or three times throughout the football game. That You never see that happen to Shanahan sure. or the 49ers. So he obviously, Schwartz, has a feel for what Shanahan does and, and uh, making life hard on him. You're right. That was three more things. Maybe four <laughs> more things. Colombo never did that back in the day. Time to move on to... The hashtag one pride Chris. Oh, that's why he's pushing me along. Right I, was I was like, wondering. It's been about he was like, oh, boring. Let's go to the Lions. Uh, Lions defense dominates the Buccaneers offense. 20 to 6, the final score. How about that? The Detroit Lions winning with defense and a little bit of good offense, too. Uh, Jared Goff threw for over 350 yards in this game, but we're specifically looking at this Lions defense and what is going on here. Let's take a look at the the jump from last year, first year, guys. So 2022. Yeah, it's amazing. Points allowed per game, 30th in the NFL. Now they're in the top 10. Yep. Yards allowed per game, last. Now they're in the top 10. Yards allowed per play, they were last last year. Now they're in the top five. And then rush yards allowed per game, they are number one in the NFL. They are not giving up plays on third down, their third down conversion rate, tied for fourth best in the NFL. That is perhaps the biggest transformation of any unit in the NFL this year. It's, it's insane. It is. No, it, it, it's the reason, you know, I just wasn't sure if they could get it all together as a football team that way. Now, you know, 
At the end of the year last year, I bet you if you just took like the last six games, I bet you the defensive statistics were, you know, significantly better than their overall rank. Remember early sure. on last year, I mean, it was just like you could do whatever you want on the Lions. And I think that led to, you know, a bad look on the overall yards and whatever else. But I think the big thing is it's, you know, it's a totally different defense. Let's just start there. It's, it's a different uh, throughout. And I mean that with the players on the field, right? You know, one, you've heard me talk. They're big up front, right? Uh, let's start on the D-line and what's different there. One, Aiden Hutchinson is a beast, right? Yep. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is a beast. He's a superstar. He really is. Okay? Kaminsky, your other defense end. Last year, he was a third stringer. I think they started to realize, like, hey, stop worrying about these other high draft picks and guys we think you got. Let's just start playing the fucking better player. And stop worrying about like, oh, we have an agenda. We've picked this guy and all that guy. So I think they got a little bit in, you know, more true to just, hey, let's put the best guy out there. Not necessarily always go with like, hey, he's a higher draft pick or we think there's big potential for him two or three years down the road. Let's yeah. just go with the guy right now. He started, just played uh, most snaps that he has played all season long. Highest percentage of snaps he's played all and, season and long. And I think that, you know, because of, you know, it's him or Harris that usually start over there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. 53. Yeah. And I think in this game, he starts because they went, damn, you know, the Bucks want to run the ball. That's who they are, right? As Todd Bowles talked about that last year, even with Tom Brady, they wanted to run the ball more. They just couldn't run the ball. So they started, damn, we got to throw the ball with Tom. They're trying to be true to that. And they're, they want to play, run the ball and play through their defense and take a big shot down the field every now and then. So that's why they put Kaminsky in. Mm-hmm. But you go Kaminsky. So he's a really good football player. Then the two D tackles in the middle, Liam McNeil, who was a starter last year, so that's no big difference there. And he's he's a load. I mean, he you can't move Liam McNeil, right? Uh, but Benito Jones starting over Isaiah Bugs to me is another huge improvement for their football team. You know, Benito Jones, another guy like that. He's just he you can't move him either. So they're both their D tackles are three fifteen plus, and then you talk about a Kaminsky who's what two ninety or two eighty five or something like that, and Aiden Hutchinson's who's at two seventy. So that's damn good. Okay, um, then they got better linebacker play than last year. You know th- that'd be the other thing with with um, fifty five in the middle Barnes. Yep, right. He's a run stopping thumper. You liked him coming out of college, coming out of Purdue, correct? I did. I liked him a lot. Him and Aliyah McNeil, I, I liked them both coming out big time. Yeah. You know, they're, they're kind of old school-ish where you might want a little bit more from a Barnes in the pass defense department, but it's not so bad to where you go, well, we don't start him in the game, right? It's not like that. And then Anzalone is a good player who is athletic as hell and I think playing his best football. And then you add in your Jack Campbell, who's in the game a lot too. Mm-hmm. You know, So there's better play there. And then the secondary is almost totally new. I mean, Joseph, 31, is the only guy that is a, a holdover from last year where you go, you know, some of the other guys play, but you know Cameron Sutton, Jacobs, yep. uh, Tracy Walker might have been hurt last year, if I remember correctly. Of course, Brian Branch wasn't in this game, but he's been playing. Yep. And and then you talk about Kirby Joseph. Joseph's the only guy out of the starters that started last year. So they they revamped what they expected out of their players on the field. Let alone their scheme is really damn good too. I would let you go on forever and ever on this one. We can do seven more things I, on the Detroit Lions defense. I'm not done yet. We've got to yes. do a few more things here. Yes. Here's the other thing I love about them. 
they go. They're like their offense. They're aggressive, right? So you might have saw this in my notes mm-hmm. where they, you know, they're a very good zone coverage football team. But this is what I like about them too. Um, and let me see where I wrote, wrote this. They're the aggressor, just like the offense. And you mentioned this last week when we were talking about the offense. They've always got the pedal on the metal. Always got the always pedal on the metal. First down, second down. They're trying to do some damage. Right. You say the defense kind of has the similar mentality. And, and usually good teams marry each other on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Right? There's a style of play that this is what we do. Right? Till death do us part. Till death do us part. We're married. And they are, they are an aggressor in that department where if you line up in a run set, they don't like try to like mess around. They go, no, well, we're going to line up in a fucking run set too. You're not running the ball. They kind of call your bluff, right? That's where I kind of like them and, and what they do. You know, um, so, so that's where they're a little, I, I think, cool in that department uh, as far as, hey, if it's third and four, like you saw me say, they're aggressive and they're in your face and they play to stop the five-yard first down pass. Like, they're a team where I look at, and you get in those, those situations, you're going to have to back them the F off. They call your bluff, right? That would be something that I think is going to be interesting with the Ravens game they play this week. Because mm. the Ravens, we know, run the ball. The Ravens got some guts and some kahunas, too, though. So they could be a team that goes, oh, it's third and two. You don't think we'll take a shot down the field? Call their bluff. You gotta, you gotta, they don't give you any other thing to do other than that. So that's where you got to kind of call it back on them a little bit and go, wow, okay, you want to do this and just give us a chance to throw the deep ball? Then we'll take it. We've talked about this in years past with the third and shorts or the fourth and shorts, right, where I don't think teams take enough aggressive throws down the field. They go, we're going to run up the middle, and I'm going to go, there's seven guys up the middle, and they're all freaks and huge and mad as hell or whatever. Right. Like, you've got to call their bluff in some of these. And I think that's what you have to do to, to your Lions football team. That's interesting because that's probably a couple things, too. It's one, they believe in their team's speed in the back end that maybe they can make up for a big play or yeah, it won't be, yeah. won't be a, a, a death knell. And also, you, you believe in your offense, that, that they can score. I think score. that's the thing, too. I think that's what it is. They, they're going, we're going to get you off the field, or you might be a big play and score, but we're not going to sit here all day on the sidelines with our offense either. We think that's dangerous, and they're coming back to attack you. Um, so that's where they're, you know, they're good. And you know, they're, they're, they're not afraid to blitz and pressure the quarterback. They're not crazy with it. But they, they kind of know the time and when to call it. And, um, you know, hey, even in this game, there were some chances. Baker missed some deep throws down the field, oh. right? We got one. Oh, let's show one. On this is a huge part of the football game. I think it was all the Lions, but okay, we'll take a couple of bad misfires <laughs> by Baker Mayfield, too. So if you're watching on Peacock and YouTube, we are boxing in, in a green box, a wide-open Mike Evans. Oh, and, and this is like, it's first and ten. They're, you guys, they're in a running set. If I remember right here, I think they might have had two tight ends in here. Uh, no, they might be an 11 personnel. But you guys are playing a really aggressive defense. You mm-hmm. can see 31 Joseph, he's playing quarters down here. And he's kind of sitting on, you know, middle of the field, intermediate passes. And Mike Evans and, and Baker fakes the little screen to 83 out here. Tompkins, mm, okay. Yeah. And that gets him to freeze for a second because they're going to smush the screen. That's what they are. Oh, they get the screen. We're going to fucking be all over it, right? And, I mean, it's, 
It's a touchdown. I mean, Mike Evans is going to have to fall. 95-yard touchdown potential. He's going to fall on his face. He's going to have to fall on his face for him not to get a touchdown. And I can't remember. Who got their big paw in the air here to tip this pass? Uh, it might have been Liam McNeil. And, oh, you know who this was? This was Bugs. This was Isaiah Bugs, oh, right? yes. Yeah. Big play by him. Interception. You're and, saying he shouldn't be starting. Gee, yeah, he's going to show you. He just showed me, all right. And uh, <laughs> that ends up three points for, for the Lions offense and, and a few plays later after that. You said overall they're a good tackling team, are the Lions. Yes, they are. They always have their eyes on the ball. They rally very That's fast the thing to the ball, good too. At. They don't play a ton of man, so when you throw it underneath, you don't get a lot of yak against the Lions. You know, they're what you would expect from a Dan Campbell, uh, um, you know, uh, Aaron Glenn you know, type of team where, yeah, they're aggressive, they're tough, and they rally to the ball in a hurry and tackle really well. You know what? I, I think that the Lions are like, everyone's rooting for the Lions. It's like they're like a fun story for the entire NFL community for a couple of reasons. It's new, right? Yeah. We all want something new. Yeah, it's sure. different, right? The Lions have never been this right. good. They're like, well, this right. is crazy. This right. is kind of interesting. Yep. And, and like three... I think I'm up to three now. And three for the Lions, um, like they have no enemies because everyone's been beating them up for like 20 years. They're like, yeah, we love the Lions. Nobody's hating on the Lions. You're right. <laughs> right. Nobody's. You're right. Until it, after this year. Well, and then I think you throw on top your coaches. I, I have, I, I've never heard anybody say they don't like your coach. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, my Aunt Wendy, you know, the guy I meet at the Equinox, it doesn't matter. They always talk about when the Lions, they talk, I like the coach. Oh, the coach is great. I love So th- I think that's another reason people root for him. And – Bottom line, you guys are fun to watch. Yeah. You're fun to watch. You really are. You know, the offense, like we said, the offense and defense are aggressive. We like that. It's big plays, right? They get after it on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, they're looking to chunk plays. Every play is looking for 30 yards. They're never looking for, like, here's four. They don't want to do that. And I think that really translates to the TV viewing experience. At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Buccaneers take on the Falcons coming up next. See if that Bucks O can get game. back on track. Yeah. Uh, the Lions go to Baltimore to face the Ravens. Some big One of the dunes, games of the week. Big dunes on the offensive and defensive Woo! line, which takes us to Uh-oh. the Big Butt of the Week Awards. Woo! It is we that time. Lie. Big butts and we cannot lie. The big butt of the week. Oh. Time to give some love to these Woo! big guys. Some it, touches. It's a couple sacks, forced <laughs> fumble. He's a butting superstar. Woo! Give it to him, Ahmed. One butt cheek. This is why you're the big butt expert of the world right now. Woo! 
And Detroit Lions, if I can give you a heads up, watch out for Jadeveon Clowney because he is coming in with some confidence. He is the winner of the Big Butt of the Week award at the edge position for his performance in London versus the Titans. Now, I normally don't give it to someone who doesn't play a whole lot of snaps. He just played 28 snaps in this game, but he was so efficient with it. He had nine pressures in those 28 snaps, two sacks, five hurries, two defensive stops. He affected that game in a few amount of snaps. Uh, Jadevian Clowney, congratulations, Big Butt of the Week award. Way to go, Jadevian Clowney. I mean, one of the... Most underrated great defensive players of our era, really. That, that's what I would say. That's interesting because he was so much was expected of him. Yes, right. And 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 it, because he doesn't have a lot of sacks, he was kind of looked at like, oh, he didn't live up to that number one pick thing, right? Now he had a very bad knee injury. He's a guy that's playing with one knee that's bone on bone, basically. He's not necessarily the great at turning the corner, but he's a physical freak and his power, his fuck up the playness has always been phenomenal. He went through a few years there um, with um, um, who, who the hell drafted him early in his career? Texans. Yeah, I don't know why I was blanking. He's played for so many damn teams. I started to second guess <laughs> myself. He went through a phase there with the Texans where I don't. I had no doubt, and I have no problem saying this, where he was like one of the three or four best defensive players in football. But he didn't have the sacks, and because we don't stat at the play up, you can't really quantify it. So the fans, the media didn't quite know it. He's having one of his best years as a pass rusher, it seems like. I mean, in every game I've watched, and I didn't watch this last game on film, but I've gone, damn, Jadeveon Clowney, like – around the quarterback a lot and uh he's awesome against the run and they're trying to you know they're trying to save him a little bit too they have some yeah. depth at that position not depth but other guys they play and i think because of his knee they know that he can't play like 65 snaps a game he does have 29 total pressures now on the season matching his total from last year he's well, already matched his total there you go i think that says something too you know last year was not his best year and i think he was fighting through some injuries yeah. last year too but uh yeah really impressive good good for jadevian clowney yep. doesn't he just seem like a raven he just seems like a raven. and i hope he gets zero pressures this week against the detroit lions <laughs> defensive tackle big butt of the week congratulations to a dallas cowboy they wrecked that game for justin herbert and the chargers osa odegazua Odegazua. Osa Odegazua. I was practicing with Pete. Pete's got it down. I was practicing with him. I, the, I've been saying Odegazua. I've been, you know, I've been totally wrong there. Okay. All right. Third year out of UCLA. Third round pick. Led all defensive tackles with seven tackles. Had six pressures. The second most to Aaron Donald, who had seven on the week. But Odegazua, you got your first ever Big Butt of the Week award. Hey, uh, congratulations. Welcome to the club. Welcome well to deserved. The club. Well, well deserved. Undersized D tackle, right? who's got, like, crazy strength for his size. And, of course, he's very explosive being undersized for a defensive tackle. Part of the reason they can create such great chaos there. And, hey, this is where sometimes we've had these talks in the past, too. Sacks can be overrated. Sacks are overrated, right? They were around Justin Herbert the whole game. In fact, I think I saw... Uh, on something yesterday, Justin Herbert was under pressure more quarter, than more any other quarterback in football this weekend. He was under pressure, I think it was like 48% of his snaps, Yeah, right? Yeah. They only got one sack on the day, I know, the Cowboys, and it was at the very end of the game. But, that, you know, like I've told you in the past, I've had games where I've gotten sacked five times, and I want to go, no, the protection was great. And, you know, you get in the locker room, people are like, man, you got hit a lot today. And you were like, 
I mean, I really didn't just those five sacks and like, you know, two or three of them were coverage sacks. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I've had other games where they go, Hey, that old line played good for you today. You didn't get sacked at all. And I want to be like, what? I couldn't even fucking look at the first read today. Yeah, those guys sucked. I mean, everything I did was like, get it out. Oh my gosh. I just got it out. Oh, I mean, or, or I just got fucking crushed every time I was throwing the ball. Right. So that's where that can be overrated. He is a really good football player. Um, and kind of a, a budding star, I think, sure. for, for their football team right you now. You got any concerns with Herbert after that game? He was definitely not on his game. Like, yeah. I will say that. But I think the pressure had something to do with that. Um, but, but, like, you know, there were some throws where you go, wait, Justin Herbert usually just stripes this in there. You know, I don't know if it's the bye week get off for them. The one thing I'll say about them, they don't have a lot of separation receivers. They got big receivers, right? And now there's no Mike Williams, who might have been their best separation guy as far as deep down the field doing stuff like that. You know, but they don't have guys where it's more on size, and Keenan Allen's more about a route runner than, oh, he's just going to line up and beat you deep or catch a slant and run for 70 yards, right? That's not his game. And you know that that to me is is tough sledding at certain with certain matchups. The Cowboys are a team that can play man to man, and we know they got good coverage guys. You know, like there, there's it's not easy playing quarterback in a game like that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But he was definitely not his best. Osa and Jadevian, congratulations! Here's your trophy. Oh, look at Odigazua. Good job, Kristen, with the picture there. Way to go. Jadevian, yep, looking good in that 24, which is still takes me some getting used to when I see him <laughs> yeah, in that. Yeah. All right, those are our Big Butt of the Week award winners. All right, a couple more games to, to look through here. Uh, Bills and Giants, we made you do this. You got sick doing it at home, but then we're like, get back in the lab and do it. Um, so uh, this was a, a low-scoring affair. We were watching this as our pod was happening. Um, so was this was this more of the Bills struggling, bad offense, or more of the Giants having a pretty good game plan for what the Bills wanted to do? Well, the the, the Giants, as we've discussed a lot, they're they're a team as we've hit on in two different times here in this pod already, where the offense has not helped out their defense. So their statistics look worse than they are actually sure. as a defense, right? Like the Giants, in, in my mind, are a, kind of like a top 10-ish defense in football. I, I think their overall ranking is somewhere in the 20s. They're 27, right? Where I just go, hey, they're not really the 27th ranked defense in football. They're not. And their offense being so crappy and always off the field after three plays, the dam is broke in a bunch of games where they're yep. just like, man, we're worn out. We've been out here the whole game. We never have anything you know, to build up. We're always playing you know, from behind. And now we have to dial up a play because, hey, maybe the defense is going to have to make a play to win the game here. I mean, we can't rely on the offense, right? So that you know, leads to you know, some misleading stats in that department. The Giants game plan is awesome and we kinda I kinda hit on this on, on Sunday night a little bit. Because Wink blitzes so much, you have to play all these plays on the pass game where you have to go, well, I mean, we got a big, you know, number here in our breakdowns that say they blitz this formation and they blitz this and they're gonna blitz in this down and distance and situation. And this was a wink curveball game where they lined up, especially early in the football game, where you're going, oh, man, they're coming after him. They're coming after him. He's going to – and, you know, the Bills are keeping in six guys, seven guys, or they're keeping two guys in to chip or help out, and then they release, right, and do that. And so now there's not a lot of people downfield. And then Wink Martindale and the Giants are like, yeah, it's blitz, it's blitz. And then, boom, oh, they're, they're only rushing three, right? And, and we've kind of got only three men in – 
running routes downfield, and they got eight guys covering, and we're in deep crap. Right, so that was really part of the beauty of what yeah. the Giants did on on that side of the football. The numbers bear that out. The weeks one through five, the Giants blitz forty eight percent of the time, third third highest rate in the NFL versus the Bills on Sunday night, just thirty four percent of the time. A little curveball, a little curveball. Smart, smart thing to do. You know, adjusting to you know the team you're playing. I think they knew, man. We can't blitz Josh Allen on a consistent basis, right? One, he might make one guy miss, and now he runs around the edge, and we got nobody there, right? And Or, you know, one, he makes one guy miss on the blitz, and now we're man-to-man covering stuff on digs for seven seconds down the field, and you ain't going to be covering him for seven seconds. He's going to break open, and that's going to be a big play. Second week in a row. Second week in a row for me here, right? And you, 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 I think you know where I'm going. Second week in a row where it seemed like the game plan was don't let them throw bombs down the field and don't let them run around like a maniac, and they don't have any other answers. That, that to me, is what it looked like in the game. Mm. You know, they were great even with those three-man rushes and four-man rushes at times. They always had somebody watching Allen. So if he was going to break the pocket, they were, you were gonna, he was going to have somebody on him right away. And then the other thing, too, is they rushed him the proper way like we talked about with the Jaguars last week. It was four guys, three guys, nobody flying upfield, going around him like, oh, we're going for the strip sack. Oh, we got pushed by, and now there's a gap 25 feet long so he could step up and do it, attack the line of scrimmage, run, or throw a bomb down the field. That wasn't going to happen. So they played the old mush rush where, like, the edge guys never really pass the quarterback. And, of course, we know their D tackles are big and they can push the pocket. So Allen, if he wanted to escape the pocket, he had to go back and then try to go around. And that's just, you know, unless you're Michael Vick in your prime, that ain't working for anybody, right? right. Uh, so that was part of the beauty of what they did there, too. But that's the concerning part about the Bills. It shows you a little bit sometimes how ordinary their offense is when you take away his magical plays, when you take away his ability to maybe throw three or four bombs in a game, and then you take away the other four or five times where he breaks the pocket and he runs for 20 or throws a 25-yard laser across the field as he's scrambling outside the pocket, those go away, and all of a sudden you go, damn, the Bills, the Bills are having a hard time moving the football here. They trusted their defensive tackles up front there. Dexter Lawrence, for sure, number That's 97. That's a way to do it. Yep. Uh, they trusted... Uh, some other guys to get in the passing lanes you mentioned here, Micah McFadden and maybe one of your players of the game, yeah. Bobby O'Carry. Yeah, he was the player of the game. There's no doubt. I mean, run game, he was phenomenal. He was the guy that spied Allen a few times. We're like, Allen had a few plays in the game where he thought he had a lane to run, right? And he was about to run, and then he was like, oh, wait, 58's there. And then he had to kind of like set back up and try to find somewhere to throw and nobody was open or whatever else there. So that's where, um, you know, he was he was amazing. And, of course, had... The tip pass that led to an interception. He had the strip fumble on Gabe Davis on the edge, let alone a whole bunch of tackles to go along with it. Uh, but, yeah, and then their big people in the middle afford them the luxury of, like, we don't have to overcommit our second-level linebackers and safeties to get up in the run game and go crazy to the play action, right? A lot of defenses have a call for their linebackers of, like, hey, maybe we want you to be aggressive to stop the run, or maybe we want you to slow play it. And if you see run, they really want to run play action. We'd rather you not be too aggressive until they kind of call our bluff in that department and kind of err on 
wait, you see run, but Aaron, let's not fly up on the line. Let's kind of like wait a second, right? And they can do that because they got, you know, one of the biggest D-lines in football up front. And, and that affords the, the, the linebackers not to have to be too over-aggressive at times. The Bills didn't have many answers. The one answer they tried to just go to repeatedly was throw it to Stephon Diggs, and that is where we go for Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. Take a look at this. Next-gen stats. Stephon Diggs finished with a reception on eight different routes while accounting for a season-high 65.5% of the Bills' team air yards. Diggs was targeted on 53.3% of his routes. That is the highest target rate in a game this season with someone who has run at least 20 routes. And so it was, it was more of the same. And I think uh, WNY Lemming has a question that would be interesting to hear you answer um, two, watching the Bills the last two years, I think the offense relies too heavily on Josh Allen being Superman. Is this a problem with Ken Dorsey's play calling, how Allen is being coached? It seems like Brian Dayball was able to keep Josh calm, and that was their secret sauce. So going to Stefan a lot, relying on Josh Allen a lot. Why? What's the problem? Well, I mean, he's right, Run, You know that. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that that's – been something that has bothered me it's i don't know if anybody's really more reliant on their quarterback making magic happen than the bills is it lack of talent is it lack of creativity it's just like yeah i think it's a little bit of both i think it's a little bit of both i think the you know you know and again i don't i'm not proud to say this i I don't want to like i'm not trying gabe davis is a good player but as you've heard me say before I, i i don't really think he's a number two i think he's a number three i think that's what that's how he would be in my offense I'd want Gabe Davis as my number three, All right? So there's lack of there's lack of explosive playmakers other than Diggs. They, they, you know, nobody else can catch the ball and do anything after they catch the ball. Nobody. I mean, nobody. Right? Gabe Davis from every now and then will beat somebody deep, but it's more because of like they've done something with the scheme that got him open that way. It's not like oh he's flying by people. No, it's it's not that either. Right? The, the, my 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 big thing. You know, and, and again, let me just say, these two touchdown drives that they had in this football game, I mean, nothing was pretty. It was just guts and willpower and Allen just, I mean, like the touchdown pass at the end of the football game. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, come on. I mean, that's like, you know, him and two other guys in football can do what he did there. But, yes, it's too reliant on him. They have to find something else that gets it done for them. Right, and you you might have saw this, and I wrote this at the end. They they have to have some other avenue on their offense, and we've talked about this in years past, even with the Chiefs. I mean, th- this is all offenses. There's got to be something more than just Allen throwing lasers and making backyard plays. There's got to be. What is it that we're gonna else have in this offense? And they either got to be a little bit stubborn and patient with the run game, or they have to have a more intricate more plays in the short passing game, Ahmed. That, to me, is the other thing. They have to make you defend something else, and they don't have anything else in their arsenal right now that, that you think about, really. Bro off the road 10 thinks the same thing. He goes, do the Bills know they can throw to the running backs? Cook, zero targets, no design passes to the running backs, even though they're in the flat with no defender on the screen. Is this an OC thing, or is this Allen? Well, Allen at times. There was definitely a few plays in the game where you'd go – 
Yeah, I'm not going to say a lot, but there was maybe three or four throws where you go, ah, he didn't need to force that downfield. He could have kind of just checked it down here and made it second and five or whatever else. But no, I think there's got to be a little bit more of an offense for that. Yeah, you know, wide receiver screens, running back screens, you don't see a ton of that from the Buffalo Bills, nor do I see a lot of like surgicality offensive passing plays and the five to eight yard passing throws, right? I, I don't see any of that. And that's, to me, there's got to be something grown in either the running game or that department, what our listener is, is talking about, mm-hmm. that makes defenses go, wait, wait, wait. We can't just play stop Allen and stop the big pass play. We're going to die a slow death, right? We can't do that because they're just picking us apart and doing this and this and this and this and this. We've got to start being aggressive then and just start to do something. We've got to take this away. Oh, wait, now Diggs is open down the field, right? They kind of just go, hey, Diggs is downfield. Diggs is downfield. Diggs is downfield. Allen will hit one of them. Allen to hit one of them and if he doesn't he'll make magic happen back there and it's just that's kind of what it seems like I know I'm being a little bit over dramatic there but you know I'm just trying to paint the big broad yeah, picture there's not there. enough of that other stuff for there's sure. not enough of that other stuff that was inside the numbers powered by AWS the bills are at the Patriots we'll see if Bill Belichick can steal some of those things from Wink Martindale that made life difficult for the Buffalo Bills the Giants and Washington Commanders an interdivision rivalry um, so we'll see uh, how that one turns out. Giants can get back on track. They don't have many easy games on the schedule. And this no, is no. not even an easy one, but if the Giants, one of the off, well, ones. that was one of the first games all year. The Giants offense got to, you know, they played well. You know, obviously Dayball has a feel for McDermott and all of that. Yeah. They did some good things. It was the first game all year where, you know, the game didn't get away from them where they could kind of stick with what we saw from them last year. These were the kind of games they played last year where, you know, all of a sudden we were like, damn, the Giants are going to go to the playoffs? They would usually win these games last year, maybe 17-14 to 14 or whatever, right? But that's what they did. This was the first time all year kind of set up that way. Yeah. So we'll see where they go. But, you know, last thing with this, too. not all, The great defensive game plan, but to prove my point, too, yeah, Wink with the zones and doing all that, they're – when they played man-to-man, the Bills couldn't separate. That's the mm. other scary thing, too. And that goes back to kind of what we were saying, and that's why they need to do more on that side of the ball. And I will say this, too. A lot of people upset about that final play, thought it should have been pass interference on Taron Johnson, and maybe it should have been. Yeah. But I will say this. Yeah. At the snap, Darren Waller basically takes both of his hands on the outside of the shoulder of Johnson and then and just turns him. him. I know. And just turns him. I and know. like, get rid of you. And right. then. I mean, that's also not uh, well, that, that's, well, that's where a lot of fans and, and TV people sometimes, you know, don't – like I see that a lot where I go, wait, wait, the offensive guy started the pass interference here. Now yeah. the defensive guy is not just going to let him push me down and fall to the ground. He's got to, like, fight back a little bit. And then they call it on the defensive guy. And you're like, wait, wait, contact was initiated by the offense. He wouldn't have had to do that if, he, the, guy if he, didn't... the guy didn't throw him out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I hear you there. And you're right. There was some of that to, for him to get open originally. And then, of course, there was the hold by Johnson on the end. But um, it's still shocking they didn't call that. This day and age, you know, like we've said, it's, it's amazing right now. You know, for the most part, refs swallowing that flag late in football games. All right, last one. Real quick, yeah. Bengals D and Seahawks O. Basically, we're going to focus on the red zone here because Seattle seemed like they had 35 plays at the end of the game yeah. uh, to score a touchdown here and win this game, and they could not score on any one of those. The defensive line for the Bengals was awesome, as they are many times in yes, many games late right. here. Um, so let's go right into the – This is this is we have inside the numbers, yeah. right? Sponsored by AWS. 
Now it's time for Inside the Notebook, sponsored by no one yet. It's TBD. TBD. And so this is a Seahawks play right here, and this is one that may have been able to secure this one for Seattle. Maybe their best chance to do that at the I, end of I this think game. so. I mean, the red zone, like you talked about, the, the, the Bengals are really well coached, right? They got pretty good talent. They're not playing their best football as of yet. But here was, to me, the biggest moment of the game to go – you, they want to go on Monday and watch the film and go, damn, that should have been the play right there where we took the lead 20-17 to 17 and win the football game because the Bengals' offense was not, didn't show up in the second half. So this one was outside the red zone. We right. got about five minutes left, right? First and 10, 30-yard line or so. And they run the what, you know, what I call the oh shit play, right, basically. It, it's what it is. They try to make it look like a run to the left. The tight end on the left goes behind the line of scrimmage, so it kind of looks like the inside zone cutback play. Jackson Smith and Jigma was the slot receiver to the right. He motioned down to make it look like, hey, I'm going to block and help this run game out, right? He kind of comes off the line of scrimmage slow, like, hey, I'm blocking everybody, I'm blocking, and then he sneaks out the back door and wheels it up, where now it looks like it's a bootleg to the right after the run fake. Bobo and DK Metcalf are all on the right and going to the right and now he's kind of sneaking by the linebackers coming out the other side and I don't know what Geno Smith was doing it looked like he was looking at him that's where it's a little confusing and he just doesn't pull the trigger Mm -hmm. and um, yeah that to me was a big moment in just the fact that you know there's not a lot of chances to score touchdowns in a football game and that one was dialed up at the right time and and he missed an opportunity there one of the rare times where Gino wasn't maybe running for his life he's under pressure on 39 percent of his dropbacks weeks one through four and then versus the Bengals it was 46 percent of the time they got cross back on the offensive line yes Uh, they need they need their whole offensive line they need their whole their middle interior of their offensive line is not very good anyways and pass protection especially they're they're not. It's just not. But their right tackle is definitely the weak link, and that's where they miss Abraham Lucas. Right? He was a a rookie last year with Cross. Uh, he's a phenomenal football player. Uh, he really is, and and that that is hurting them right now. And they're a team that, you know, is not running the ball consistently well, uh, and they're kind of living in the drop back pass world right now. And it's hard to live in the drop back pass world when you're not protected very well and you kinda kinda always gotta peek, you know, at your right tackle to make sure we're we're getting time or he's blocking the right guy. Let's name check a couple of these guys who stood out for you on yeah. the defensive line, a lot of the guys for the Bengals, right? But DJ Reader and, and BJ Hill, you don't think they moved him much all day. Not at all not at all. They really didn't. Other than the first drive where Kenneth Walker had a few runs here and there, after that they kind of got a feel for what they were trying to do in the run game, and they're they're phenomenal. They're they're as far as run stopping goes, that's one of the best duos in all of football when it comes to stopping the run. What about in the secondary for the Bengals? Cam Taylor Britt. What oh, stood out about him? I love Cam Taylor Britt. You know, one, it's him and our guy DJ Turner starting a corner right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and DJ got little. It looked like he got like a thigh bruise in the football game. And missed like a few series and then came back in, but you could tell he was kind of laboring a little bit. But Cam Taylor Britt, you know, he's another guy. I don't know what his, you know, grading numbers look like or any of that. You know, this is where it can be a little over, you know, this, you've heard me say this before. You know, a guy who just drops back and plays zones all game, they go, hey, he's the third best corner in football. They asked Cam Taylor, to, Cam Taylor Britt to get in the face of the best receiver on the football team and play man to man a lot. 
right? And he gets beat sometimes. But I want to go, yeah, but you wouldn't, you know, I want to go, yeah, but there's 30 other corners in football. You wouldn't even ask to do that. He's so talented. You're going, get in DK Metcalf's face and give him hell all game long. And he is phenomenal that way. That's he the really treat is. for being so talented on some of these teams. Your PFF grade is going to be terrible. It, it is. It, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It is. You know, we've had this conversation before, right? I mean, uh, there, there's, that, that's what's unfair about the grading sometimes. It's like you wish you could grade on a curve a little bit to go, wait, wait, this guy's being asked to do a job that's 10 times harder than this guy who you have the better grade for. So that's not necessarily, uh, necessarily fair. And there was one guy that you're like, look at this Bobo out there. And I was like, oh, who's he talking about here? But you're like, no, he's actually looking good. And it was uh, Jake Bobo, the undrafted free agent rookie wide receiver. <sighs> yes. I mean, I, I, if you were going to talk about any rookie wide receiver, I would think it would be Jackson Smith and Jigba, but now you're, you're, you thought Jake Bobo stood out. I, I kind of felt that more. way like the whole year a little oh. bit. I have. Um, Bobo was a guy, I don't know if we ever brought him up in the draft at all. Yeah, we had him two, we had Puka Nakua one. <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> I, if 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 he wasn't, I wish I did bring him up a little bit. Uh, he was DTR's go-to guy. Like when you watch DTR, you were always like, "Who's this big white receiver? Is he a pass-catching tight end or a receiver?" Six that, four, two ten. Yeah. So you were all. He was always kind of you know he, he popped that way. Uh, I, I don't know what the questions were. Maybe speed was the question or whatever. But you know, played a significant amount of snaps in this football game. And I would think he's going to continue to be a part of their game plan here. You know, I like Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I think the things that we worried about with Jackson Smith and Jigba are still to be worried about. He's, he's, I don't care what he ran in the 40, and I don't care how many times he ran by people in the Rose Bowl three years ago. It, it, he's not that fast, mm. and that is something to be concerned about a little bit in that department. Seahawks take on the Cardinals next. The Bengals are on a bye. So they, like the Jets, can celebrate their victory with a little bit of a vacation. Yeah. Seahawks got to be better in the red zone offense. So they got to have more in that department. Just just not enough of like, I'm not sure what we're doing, or this is just too basic to like, every defense knows offenses have these plays there. They go, we're a drop back, deep passing team. We need more field. A little bit. You're exactly right, though. It's a little bit. They they do not like being in those closed quarters. And then you, you know, you couple that with, you know, Geno making a bad interception to Mike Hilton, not against the proper look, DK stopping on a in cut. I, and I don't even know what he did. He had the inside. He had faked Cam Taylor Britt out and had the inside move and then worked back outside to then go back inside and then just stop. And Cam Taylor Britt threw, you know, I mean, got the interception. I think that was him there. Um, so, yeah, those were, were big moments. And um, am I missing? Was it two, just two interceptions? Yeah, it was just two, was it two interceptions or three? Am I missing one? No, it was just two. Okay, we got it. And that is your Treasure Hunters Deep Dive. One more thing. <laughs> what the F happened Wednesday? That is it. We did it, baby. Uh, we did it. I know. And I know I'm, you got a meeting got probably meeting. you got to go to. So <laughs> we, you're we, like, hey, would you shut up and get gone? <laughs> get going here? We go. They go, how much time do you need, Ahmed, for this? I go, give me another half hour. I was like, that should be good. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Well, it's a half hour. <laughs> they don't know who they're dealing with. It's Chris Sims, and he has a big mouth. We know that. Um, all right, everybody. Tomorrow, I got my week seven picks with Florio and the PFP, PFTPM. 
uh, Chris Sims unbutton joint collaboration. Ahmed, you the man as always for Bye. driving the Glad ship. You're feeling better. Thank you, thank you. I'm getting there. I just want an appetite so I can get my energy back up. That's the thing that's annoying me more than anything. Uh, but appreciate you hanging I'll in still there do with this, me. Even though I don't, I'm, not oh, I'm not you. scared. I'm not scared. You the man. You're confident that it's food poisoning. That's why you're like you're <laughs> definitely got food poisoning. It was something he ate. Uh, everybody, I love the questions today. Keep sending them out. I really, really appreciate it. Stay in tune with what we got going on here, and feel free to challenge me and continue to send questions. Really good by all the homies out there. Everybody have a good week. Check us out on Thursday. Enjoy the week weekend's week seven games. Clap it Clap up. It up. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.